Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. We're here with you on Monday night, heading into Tuesday, and this is going to be, you know, one of those fun episodes that you get every once in a while. You know, we had a similar one last year with a 21-7 victory over Michigan State in East Lansing, but uh, this one feels a little bit better and guys i want to get your thoughts first of all though how how you guys doing how you feeling here on this on this monday night uh feeling good uh the, the weather is is warming up a little bit the snow is melting michigan comes off a pretty much the most embarrassing loss that mark d'antonio has ever suffered at the hands of the wolverines so ain't nothing killing these vibes today uh we're we're good to start the week Folks have heard me the last few days on these podcasts here, uh, withheld comment on a lot of things until we spoke. So glad to finally speak on some of those things. So yeah, good to be here. Chris, how you doing, man? Uh, wonderful. Uh, and uh, I'm almost as good as these Wolverines were on Saturday. Uh, just a a virtuoso performance by Jim Harbaugh's crew. We talked uh, at length about how this is a game that had the potential to Hurt Michigan more than it helped them. If they would have won, people would have said, well, they did what they should have done. If they would have lost, it would have been a complete disaster. The way they won ultimately proved that this game still has the ability to to be viewed as a rousing success for the Michigan football program. 
And that's how I look at it. Uh, and you could see even in Harbaugh's uh, comments after the game, as well as some of the players' comments, that I think even they were a bit surprised by just how easy they made it look at points on Saturday. Yeah, it, a, a it fantastic was. performance, uh, especially by uh, the offense, which, which we'll get more into here. It was a dominating performance. Pretty much start to finish what Michigan punted on their first drive and didn't punt uh, the rest of the game. And to be quite honest with you, it was something that I wasn't really expecting. You know, I thought Michigan would probably win this game, but but to win it the way that they did win it. So just kind of go back to that last episode before we get too in-depth. Was this the the kind of final, final nail in that Mark D'Antonio Goffin over at Michigan State, do you think he walks away after this season because his, his program is feels like it's in a free fall right now? I would think it has to be. I mean, from a from a pride standpoint, a, a guy who made famous the phrase "pride become pride comes before the fall." The fall is here, and, and it's not just a fall. It's not like you fell off of you know the step on your front porch. Like this is a free fall off of a cliff, and it's something that. You know, with some of the the better coaches in college football who've who've gotten, you know, maybe not reached the mountaintop of winning a national title, but a, a program that has won Big Ten titles, a program that's been to the college football playoff, to fall off like they have, like this, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like it. And you could say, oh, you know, well, they rose to power when Penn State was under sanctions, when Michigan was down, yada, yada, yada. That's fine. But as recent as... Two years ago, this was, what, a 9 or 10-win football team? And, and as recent as four or five years ago, they were in the college football playoff. And, and Michigan State has a ton of issues. Their their offense has been trending the wrong way for five years now. And Mark D'Antonio has stayed loyal to your, to his guys. And this is where his guys have gotten him. And, and at a certain point, when it becomes obvious that changes are made and you don't make them, you have to fall on that sword. And I think that, uh, you know, if I'm Michigan state, I'm, I'm, I don't know if they have the leadership in place to do this, but I'd fire them. I'd still write them that $4.5 million check. They owe them in January for, you know, job well done service to the university, but this ain't it. And I don't think anybody in Spartan nation expected that the last two games of the year, against Maryland and Rutgers, they were going to have to be must-win games for them to even get bowl eligible and go play in Detroit. There are people in MSU media that said 10-2, and 11-1. and Steve has a shot to be Big Ten champs. They're not that. This is, uh, this is much closer to a Brady Hoke at the end of the era of him for the Spartans than it is, you know, a blip on the radar, like maybe that 3-9 and nine season was. But, yeah, th- this is bad. Um, if you're a Michigan fan, I think – for the first time ever, you kind of want Mark D'Antonio to stay because it does feel like he's yeah. lost control and it feels like you've turned the tide here. But, uh, you know, for the sake of this rivalry being competitive, for the sake of Michigan State football being a factor in, in, at all moving forward, it is time for them to make a change. Uh, someone needs to make the change, whether it be Bill Beacon putting on his big boy pants or whether it's Mark D'Antonio saying, you know what, I've had a good run, I'm burnt out, can't do it's not going to get done my way so i'm just done so yeah that's that's problematic for them mission now from a michigan point of view hell yeah stick around let's do this every year but if you're a michigan state i mean even michigan state fans it was quiet all last week it's been quiet coming out of the game uh some of them are are switching their um their green and white gear to scarlet and gray for the stretch run here 
But uh, yeah, I think that this has been a, a fan base and a program that's kind of resigned to their fate. And, and now you're just waiting for the shoe to drop of what happens with your coach next. Yeah, it, it's become a, a remarkable downfall and you can feel it. I, I mean, growing up here, I wasn't in uh, East Lansing this weekend. I was, I was in Chicago, but even since uh, that game ended, the atmosphere in this community, you feel it. I mean, there is clearly a lot of frustration and just a lot of general sadness that the era, the golden era of Michigan State football is not only dead, but its downfall came at the courtesy of the man who got them to that golden era with what Mark D'Antonio has done. And a lot of it, obviously, we talk about loyalty to his staff, but there just seems to be this mentality, not that he's lost the locker room necessarily, but that the locker room itself has lost a ton of confidence. The Michigan State team we saw on Saturday was not the Michigan State team that I've seen play Michigan since 2007. They And I brought this up in my post game afterwards, but I think it needs reiterating. They didn't have the same energy. They didn't have the same confidence. It was the first time, even more so than 2016, when they were just terrible. This was the first time I think MSU went into a game against Michigan where they didn't think they had a chance to win. Even in 2016 and, and and last season, I felt like that was a team that believed if they played their game, they could win. I Even after that first quarter, once Michigan had that 98-yard drive, it kind of seemed like MSU packed it in, which is so unlike anything they've done over these last 12 years. And it we it, I got the impression that Michigan essentially ended a program on Saturday, which does, and as you know, as much as respect as I have for Mark D'Antonio and as, as much admiration I have for what he's done in that program, from a, a, the perspective of a Michigan fan, it feels really good to know that for the time being, who knows what the future holds, but for the time being, that monkey is finally off their backs. You could say they got it off last year, but I feel like you really needed a a definitive game like this to show that there is finally a serious gap both in talent and coaching between these two programs. And Chris, I saw your uh, I saw your reaction video on Twitter after the game and you know, I, I want to take it to something that you pointed out. We've we harped on this guy, man. We said so, some very negative things about this guy earlier this year and I I wouldn't go back on any of what I said at the time. Mm-hmm. But, man, did Shea Patterson come out and ball on Saturday. And I feel like that was the type of performance Michigan fans expected when Shea came over. Obviously, the offense last year didn't really uh, allow for that. This year, it was a transition period trying to get this offense in a groove. But I feel like they have found it right now. And Shea Patterson looked great out there on Saturday. Yeah, when and I brought this up in my postgame as well. When Josh Gaddis was hired performances like what we saw on Saturday were the type of performances that we fantasized about and the type of performances we believed that this offense was capable of before the season. Now, what we saw these first seven, eight games really didn't give us, instill a lot of confidence in us that we would see a type of performance like that. But the offense, the offensive play calling was remarkable on Saturday and Shea Patterson was outside of a few kind of short-armed throws and maybe a bad read early in the first quarter was flawless. It was the best game we've seen a Michigan quarterback play probably since Jake Rudock against Indiana four years ago, or at the very least, maybe Jake Rudock in the Citrus Bowl four years ago. That was just a, a, an explosive performance. 
You could see the confidence growing with every single drive. And for a guy who's been through the ringer, and like you said, I agree with you, uh, Luke, I, I don't take back a whole lot of it. But it did make me think that not only was, uh, not only is Shea growing as a quarterback, but you know, a lot of people, including us, had, you know, kind of raised some eyebrows when Harbaugh made that comment after the Iowa game about how this is an offense that, you know, he thinks they're going in the right direction. He thinks they're moving forward. He thinks that they're close. Those, those are the exact words, that they're close. Well, while I still think there was a portion of that that was covering up for what had been up to that point in the season an abysmal offensive showing, maybe he was more, maybe he actually believed that. Maybe there was something he was seeing that we weren't because the offense we've seen these last couple of weeks has been far improved. And what we saw on Saturday was close to a masterpiece. There was very few plays I can think of where it seemed like they were lost, which is something that even a couple of weeks ago seemed uh, unimaginable. Just brilliant stuff by Shea and that entire offense. It was it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, and what I liked that you saw too was that, like you said, it finally was speed and space on display. And mm-hmm. and for all for all of Michigan State's issues, the one that they generally, you know, generally speaking, and more, you know, even more so in the Michigan game, that's a team that's stout defensively and. You know, they, they were running around the field like chickens with their heads cut off. You had misdirection before the snap. You had the, you know, the jet sweep stuff was going on. They were working the edges. Um, you know, Michigan State had, you know, we're, we're going to load up to stop the run and they were going to take away the deep ball. And Michigan was able to kind of, you know, for the first time this year, I think consistently kind of zig when their opponent zags. I mean, before we've seen where, you know, an opponent, loads up against your strength and they just don't do anything. Whereas Michigan made the adjustment early on. I thought this was the most comfortable that, that Josh Gaddis looked from a, from a play calling from a feel standpoint. I mean, obviously you look at the artist numbers they put up. Um, no, it, it almost, I almost wonder. And yeah, we do. We should be eating a little bit of crow here because there were people in this fan base that said, Josh Gaddis should be fired, that Jim Harbaugh should take the offense back, or that Jim Harbaugh had taken the offense back, and that's why they weren't reaching their potential, and yada, yada, yada. I I don't believe that. I think what it comes is with the realization that, you know, this is is a spread offense now. I mean, with some pro-style stuff thrown in. Like, this is not just, you know, it's not just a philosophical change where, hey, let's let's throw the ball more. Like, I think fans were kind of hoping it would be they went full spread and that takes time to do. I mean, even what you're seeing out of LSU last year, and this isn't to say that Michigan and LSU are on, you know, a parallel paths to the college football playoff for Michigan next year. But what I'm saying is that it takes time to install these things. And perhaps we, um, we didn't take that into account enough. Perhaps we expected too much too early. Now that doesn't excuse what was essentially a no-show on both sides of the ball at Wisconsin. Not acceptable. And I stand by the things that I said in that game. I stand by what I said for you know them getting down 21-0 at Penn State. Those are holes that they dug for themselves. But when you look at this offense, when you look at the direction it's going, obviously when it's working, it works. And what's the next step? I mean, obviously take it on the road now and see what you can do there. Road games have been tough for Michigan. Um, and then is it going to work against a team like Ohio State? 
that's where, you know, for as much crap as the defense got last year, uh, Michigan needed a lot of needed more out of their offense. And because the offense couldn't sustain drives in a, a shootout, that's why things kind of uh, spiraled out of control there. So, like I said, I think that to a certain extent, does this change how I feel about the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan? No, it's been a disappointment. And it's likely that this season ends without a win against Ohio State and, and without obviously it's not going to be with a Big Ten title. So, yeah, that's that is a disappointment. But I, I find myself wondering with each passing week here, was the step is this they took two or they took a step back this year with the install of the offense. And I think there's a chance it can be two steps forward and something that's healthy for the future. We're not going to know that until next year. And I know people are sick and tired of hearing, well, wait, wait till next year, wait till next year, wait till next year. But the way this season started and the way it has the potential to finish, especially when you look at the bowls that Michigan can likely go to and the opponents that they could likely see, there's a pretty damn good chance they end up with 10 wins again. And if you can go 10 and three in a season where there is so much change, uh, you go to a new offense, there's just moving parts all over the place. I know it's not ideal, but at least you can go, you know what? It wasn't as bad as it could have been because a month, month ago, a month and a half ago, there were people, you know, we sat here and said, we're not sure if this is even a seven or eight win football team right now. And they have a chance. They have a chance at 10 that they have a chance at they have two chances for nine. They've got two regular season chances for 10 and they've got a bowl game for a chance at 10. So God, I mean, even if you do the unthinkable, you have a chance at 11. If you're able to beat Ohio state, there's a lot still on the line here. And I think that when you look at the narratives coming out of this game, it's the first time ever in the Jim Harbaugh era that you finish a season guaranteed with a winning record against your rivals. And again, it kind of just, it magnifies what the boogeyman for this program is right now. It's the team down in Columbus. So all of the other narratives have, have pretty much for the most part been chipped away. There's just one that kind of remains. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and looking into the future like you just mentioned, because I think we've seen enough from this offense to know that when it's firing, it's definitely the right thing for the program. I know we were a little... We were a little concerned with Josh Gaddis in the play calling and things like that early on, but you guys mentioned it. He's found his groove. The entire offense have found their groove. And really, if you, if you see guys like in the future, guys like the, the wide receiver type of like Ronnie Bell, who had nine receptions for 150 yards on Saturday, he has been outstanding. Guys like Mike Sanistro, guys like Giles Jackson uh, coming up in the future. And then if you can continue to get 
maybe some of those big targets like a Nico Collins going to be obviously hard to replace a guy like that. But the sp- speed, in addition to guys like Nico and, and Tariq and DPJ that can go up and make the plays, DPJ is just a hybrid of, of those fast guys and, and being having the size, you know, a couple inches shorter than Nico, but uh, still with some good size. Like the, it, it's exciting to think about what the future of this offense could be in the years to come. And, and Anthony, you made a good point about we're kind of sick of hearing just wait till next year, but. I, I like the way you put it one step back to maybe take two steps forward uh, with the program, but looking at it here this year and the rest of the way, are, are you guys, do you have more confidence down the stretch? Like is that game against Ohio state going to be a little closer than maybe we thought four weeks ago? Um, to, yes, to me. Yes. And, and you, I was thinking about this because at no point this season, from the very first snap of the season, did I think that Michigan would beat Ohio State? And guess what? I still don't. But with that said, on Saturday, for the first time all year, I saw a team that with a few breaks, and if they play and if they play their best ball, could. Because in my opinion, A lot of things are going to need to go right in that game, obviously. Ohio State has been just a juggernaut this season, even more so than in previous years, which is just shocking to say. But I think in order for Michigan to win that game, one of the main things that's going to need to go right is that number two in blue is going to have to outplay number one in white. Shea Patterson is going to have to beat Justin Fields. And... With what we saw on Saturday, a quarterback playing with a ton of confidence and an offense that was working around him and putting him in positions to succeed, as good as Michigan's defense is, Ohio State's going to score some points against Michigan. They just are. Michigan's going to need to respond. It's why they got Josh Gaddis. So if they get into those shootouts, they can win. I still think that they are two touchdowns, if not more, worse than Ohio State. But for the first time all year, I got the impression that on a great day, they can win that game, which is a shocking, a shocking statement to say, considering a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that would even be remotely be a thing. Yeah, I think something that I'm, I'm kind of starting to feel like, I think that there's, if Michigan plays its absolute best football and Ohio State doesn't really come, I, I won't say come to play, but Ohio State doesn't play as well, make some mistakes here and there. I think that in the right set of circumstances and if the right bounce goes their way, I think that Michigan has a chance, can give themselves a chance to win that game. You again, I'm not going to do the schedule. Like I'm go through Ohio state schedule here. They beat in Cincinnati 42 zero. They beat Indiana 51 to 10 early on in the year when we didn't know what Indiana was really going to be. I think uh, that might've been, uh, I don't know. Yeah. That was week three. As I look at it here, other than that, I mean, they've blown out Nebraska. They blew out Michigan State. You blew out Northwestern. Uh, 38-7 over Wisconsin. That's an impressive win. But other than that, last two weeks, they've played Maryland and Rutgers, and they get Penn State on Saturday. I'm going to be really interested in seeing how seeing how that game shakes out because Penn State, to me, by far, is probably the best team that Ohio State will have seen to this point. Uh, their, their two hardest games of the year are the two games that they're going to finish the year with, with a home game against Penn State and then having to go to Michigan. And I think the scariest thing about them is that, or for them, is that 
Michigan is playing loose. It has absolutely nothing to lose because the Big Ten title will not be on the line. And I think it's a team that's confident in its ability and a team that's confident that on their best day, they could beat just about anyone they go up against. And, and I think that that confidence is important. I think that when I look at, you know, again, it hasn't, it hasn't really been difficult for Ohio state this year. So I'm really curious as to, I'm going to really curious to see how that team performs in, in what, what might be a tight game. Cause they haven't played one all season long. I mean, the first half against Wisconsin, other than that first quarter against Michigan state, those, those games are both at home. So again, I'm not, it's feeling a little less impossible as each week goes by. And again, I don't want to get into the trap of talking ourselves into an upset. I'm not going to pick Michigan to win that game. I refuse to. Right. But with that being said, I don't think that I don't think it's as insurmountable um, as, as it might feel right now. This is a outside of the top four or five teams, in the big 10 this year. It's, it's not, it's not really a great year for the conference and Ohio state, has played a lot of bad teams and they've throttled a lot of bad teams, uh, which is what they should do. But I'm going to be really curious to see what happens when Ryan day gets into a tight game when Justin Fields gets into a tight game against a team that really, I mean, that is, they're going to be focused on the task at hand this week with Indiana. But by the time next week rolls around, they're going to be foaming at the mouths for this because they're kind of going toe to toe with their abuser, so to speak. They spent the first month of this year kind of still reeling from how the end of last year ended. So I got to be honest yeah. with you. Like, I feel like if Michigan comes out and plays the football, it's capable of playing and capitalizes on opportunities and doesn't play afraid. They can give Ohio State a game. And, and I'm going to be – that's a big test for Ohio State. Like, they may survive it, but we haven't seen them in a tight game yet. And, and I, I think that Michigan can get them into one of those. Well, on the flip side, uh, the question coming down the stretch, we've talked about all the good and the kind of turning point of the season for Michigan really since the second half of that Penn State game. And just think of what we could be talking about right now if Ronnie Bell catches that pass. But uh, all the good that has come from this year, do you guys think it has the chance to – could it all be undone? finishing the season with two straight losses because there are two pretty tough games Michigan has coming up. Obviously, Ohio State at the end of the year, but Indiana is no rollover, especially when you have to go to Bloomington here this year, and they're playing some pretty good football because um, nine and three, for some reason, sounds so much better than eight and four. But do you guys think oh, yeah, that all of, all of the good could be undone with two consecutive losses to end the regular season? I mean, if you lose this game Saturday, yeah, I'm going to start talking about it a little bit differently. I don't think they'll lose this game Saturday. I think that um, no, Indiana, it's going to be another weird Michigan, Indiana game, but the way that the two teams are playing right now, I just, you know, I'd be hard pressed to pick against Michigan, even though it is on the road, uh, even though Indiana is technically the 26th team in the AP poll. So they're kind of right on the outside looking in. Um, yeah, I mean, if you lose to Indiana, then we can start, I'm like, that doesn't suddenly become, oh, well, fire Harbaugh and all that. Um. But yeah, it's a bummer. I think getting, to, I've said all along, nine wins is the magic number. And I don't, I would really like them to not put themselves in a spot where you have to get win number nine against Ohio State. Because I think that then, then you're, then things get a little bit dicey. I don't think nine wins, you know, plus, you know, nine and four after the bowl game is, is something that I would call even remotely a successful year. If you can get to nine, nine wins before the end of the regular season, 
get that 10th win in the bowl game. Because you look at the bowl projections right now, you're probably either going to wind up in the Gator Bowl against a, a middling SEC team. Maybe you get a matchup in the Outback against Auburn or Texas A&M or something. But, uh, or you're going to go to the Holiday Bowl and play like USC or Washington. So I think the chance for a 10th win is there. But you have to get this one on set. Like you have to be 9-2 and two going into the Ohio State game. Um, I, I just don't. Traditionally, Indiana, like Michigan's won 23 straight against Indiana. They're 58 and nine all time. You know, this is one of those things where, listen, I, I know people joke about them finishing third in the Big Ten East every year, but, you know, if you're, if you're starting, if you get surpassed by Indiana, then we can start, like, that. that's just not a good thing. So just go, go down there, get this win. I think you're better than them at pretty much every position. Um, you know, they'll be ready to play. It's going to be a close game, a tight game. It's going to be a stressful game. Uh, the, the takes throughout on Twitter will be insufferable, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you got to get this. Yeah, absolutely. Like losing this game, losing to Ohio, like forget even looking ahead to next week, you lose this game. Then yeah, the wind comes out of the sails a little bit, uh, but I think there's too much momentum on Michigan's side to lose this game. Yeah, I'm a lot of it could just be, I'm just riding a high from what was an amazing performance on Saturday. I, I have a good feeling about this game. And one thing Harbaugh has done really well in his tenure at Michigan so far, they haven't – I don't think they've overlooked. Maybe they've underperformed. Michigan's won this game, this before Ohio State game, every year. And quite a – I think of the – I think three of them have been against uh, Indiana, or at least two of them. The Indiana's always played it close, but Indiana's without their quarterback. And, and I it that would – that's less of a big deal than it was a week ago because they just gave Penn State a pretty good game, a seven-point game, same margin of uh, you know victory that Penn State had against Michigan when they played in Happy Valley. It, it is, it's definitely not one you can overlook. This is a team that was ranked a week ago, but it's also a team that lost to Michigan State. So yeah, I I think Michigan with the momentum they have going, it'll be a tight game. Sure, but I don't. I, I like their. I like this matchup here. I I, I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to win. And I think they'll win more easily than some people might think they they will. Yeah, it's going to be. I uh, like. I'm a little nervous about it, but uh, Michigan. They're they're rolling on all cylinders right now, man. Uh, it has been it's been fun to watch. Shout out to that defense too. I don't think we we really touched much on that defense. They were able to kind of turn it around against Michigan State and kind of hold them down a little bit and what Don Brown is is kind of done you know with that those bracket coverages and he's adjusted to those crossing routes but I'm a little bit concerned I'm not gonna lie with uh sometimes uh with with that different type of coverage you know teams have been able to exploit that with just those little hitch routes right there so uh you know there's there's a little cause for concern right there but but the way this team's playing right now man this is this season has turned into more fun than I definitely uh was expecting and at the end of the day, man. Uh, oh, I also wanted to touch on this. Um, the the end of I just want to touch on the rivalry as a whole. Just kind of to to wrap it up here today, talking about Michigan, Michigan State. Do you guys get the sense like I, with the with the Michigan players like at, at the end of that game and how everything ended up transpiring? This is a rivalry. Like you you listen to rivalries or you think about rivalries that there's there's almost there's a dislike but there's like a mutual respect I feel like there is none of that between Michigan and Michigan State I feel like there is no respect 
And I, I personally enjoy that. I'm going to be quite honest with you. The Michigan players waving goodbye to Michigan State. Hilarious. You know, like, like I miss like that. That's how it used to be. I, I feel like, you know, way, way back in the day. And uh, it, it's kind of refreshing to have a rivalry where two teams pretty much just despise each other. And there's really no love. Yeah, amongst keep one it another. going. Like that's it's funny to me, like Michigan State fans are caught off guard by how Michigan fans are dunking on them in the aftermath. Like, where were you when Mark D'Antonio won? What was it like seven out of eight? or eight out of nine or something like that, or whatever it was, some stupid mark against Michigan. Yeah. Note to self, the other fan base is going to act shitty because this is how that rivalry is. Like this is, that is sports and that is a rivalry. And when your team sucks, you sit back, you take your medicine. Like we had to do under Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. That's just how it goes. So do I, yeah, I, I, even Monday, you know, Michigan players were still kind of, uh, you know, I won't say jawing, but you know, calling uh, calling Michigan State players dirty and and you know go, coming out against how they play the game. Yeah, go for it. I, do, I don't care. Like it, that's that's the rivalry. That's sports. There's a little. There's a lack of respect on both sides, and that's why you know any Michigan fan that sits here and and tells them you know oh well even Desmond Howard um, and his diarrhea over the weekend. You know, oh, Michigan State is the third most important <laughs> rival behind Ohio State and Notre Dame. Yeah, that may have been true 30 years ago, no. but um, now yeah. in the here and now, it's not true. You, you're gonna you don't even play Notre Dame for another 14 years, so that's not even a rivalry anymore. And um, you know, the team up the road in in your in your own state is always to me. You have to win that game for your Ohio State your Ohio State game to even matter. So, not that it's the most important one. The most important one they have, they haven't been able to win, but. Um, like I said, it doesn't make it any less uh, important when those two teams play. And it's always going to be that way um, to, to smack them around and to keep them in place. That's um, that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's never been respect in this rivalry. I mean, we, we go back to obviously you, you kind of the epicenter of the whole thing, the, where it peaked. It was, you know, Hart's comments back in 07. I don't really like to talk about that that much just because it's so overplayed. But I mean, back in 2011, what was it? Vernon Golston. Vernon Golston was tr- trying to, was ripping off helmets before Miles Garrett made it cool. Like, I mean, he tried to decapitate Denard Robinson in the middle of the game. You know, you had uh, Michigan State running it up on him in 2014 after the in- incident or that, that idiotic mess with Michigan running a stake into the ground at, at Spartan Stadium. This goes on every year. And, you know, Michigan had to take it for a long time. Uh, and and they were forced to because every, for pretty consistently for a minute there, this was barely ever a game. You we would go we there were several years, especially under Hoke, under Rich Rod as well, but especially under Hoke, where we would go into this game as Michigan fans the way that Spartan fans went into the game on Saturday with little hope, and that has changed. And if you if you want respect, and they get, MSU got respect for a long time, and they're going to continue to get it. They'll always have mine because of what they've done in this rivalry in my lifetime. But if you want respect, I mean, you, you got to put up a better showing than what you did on Saturday and what you put together the last two seasons. So that's that's the state of this rivalry right now, man. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and I'm going to love every bit of it. And also, you know, I've seen some incredibly hot takes out there i saw someone mention that the michigan players waving goodbye was the low point in the michigan michigan state rivalry like 
didn't we just have the report come out about Harbaugh's wife being taunted by a Michigan State coach after the 2015 game, but the players waving goodbye was the low point in this rivalry? I mean, the the hyper the hyperbole that surrounds some of these this stuff is is astonishing to me as well. Well, well, yeah, like I said, oh, it always is um, in this game. <laughs> you just in this rivalry, um, and even like when you when a Michigan eventually beats Ohio State, yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it's this way with the Ohio State rivalry because it's been so one sided for you know since the turn of the you know the two, year two thousand. When Michigan eventually evens that out or just wins one, Michigan fans will be every bit as annoying to Ohio State fans as Ohio State fans have been annoying for the last right. 18, 19 mm-hmm. years. So um, newsflash, welcome to sports, dude. Like, that's just how it works. Right. And, and real quick, I said Vernon Golston. I meant William Golston. I'm sorry. In the 2011 game uh, from Michigan State. I, I, yeah, well, shame on you. Uh, both of those guys were pretty good. Ver- Vernon and William were both pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, it was just good to see Michigan really take back control of the state. And, I don't know, everything feels right in the world right now. Anthony, where can we find you on social uh, media, friend? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can uh, follow uh, the website at Maze and Brew. You can get all of our shows uh, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever I'm forgetting. Uh, we're there too. So uh, that's by searching Maze and Brew Pods. So again, uh, it's three straight podcasts with me. Thank you for, uh, for th- you're welcome you for world. through that and the, the nonsense that I have to spew. I'll be off for a few days now. Uh, have a pretty big interview in the works for, Friday show this week and one definitely locked in for next week for Ohio state week. So uh, stay tuned to that. Chris, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Castellani 2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two O one four content still coming out all the time. Obviously no longer baseball season, but we got, Michigan football post games. You got Michigan basketball, even a little bit of Michigan state stuff. The people seem to respond to that. And obviously on my uh, YouTube page, you'll find the, or I'm sorry, on my Twitter page, you'll find the link to my YouTube. My Snapchat is the same as my Twitter. And if you want to see me on Instagram, you can, that's Chris Castle 95. That's C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Please follow me on all those platforms. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L U K E G H I A R D I. Also make sure to follow the Brewcast show Twitter page, interact with us on there. We still do get a couple of Michigan game football games left and a lot of basketball here this year as well. So give uh, the Brewcast show page a follow as well and subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Mesa Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with more podcasts for Amazing Brew, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.